Today, we are not playing Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition actual play podcast. No. <laughs> Today, we are trying something a little bit different. We are playing the game 13th Age, which is uh, a very cool game, I think. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot going yeah, on for it. Yeah. Tell me more, Jonathan. Yeah, yeah, let me tell you more about 13th Age. So, no one here at the table has played 13th Age except for Nathan. Nathan played it once a long time ago. And you are listening to this first adventure. This is the intro adventure in the core rulebook. Blood and Lightning. And that's a cool name. name. They didn't tell us that the name was Blood and Lightning. And now I feel like I have a very different idea of what this campaign or what this little mini campaign is going to be. At least now I know two things that are going to be in this campaign. True, I suppose so. Right. And if they're not, what a twist. (laughs) And the other big change is it is not just myself, Jonathan, who is DMing this game. It's also me. Hi, I'm David. (laughs) Yes, the two of us will be harassing our players with all kinds of strange creatures and other otherworldly things. And as we go through this intro adventure, our goal is to highlight some of the things that we think are really cool about 13th Age, uh, primarily around the combat system, around the way the skills work, not so much around things that would be present in a longer campaign, but we're hoping that you might find something you really like out of this. Maybe a new system that you think would be cool to run at your own table. And for you listeners who are not following us on Patreon, This is the first episode in our sort of short intro adventure. We'll be releasing the rest of the episodes on Patreon, where you can listen to both our Session Zero and the rest of this adventure. But for those of you who are just listening on our main feed, this is the only episode that will be available. So hop on over to patreon.com slash recklessattack for the rest of the 13th Age adventure. So before we get too far into things... Why don't we go ahead and introduce the players and who they'll be playing tonight? We're the players. Yes, it's you. It's us. Hi. Hello. Hello. <laughs> it's oh, not me. I'm not playing. Oh, yeah. My gosh. Hello, fellow what? players. What? Well, hi. It's me, Sophie. And I am. It's hurting my brain to not jump right I know. into my yeah. normal player <laughs> intro. Yep. Uh, tonight, I will be playing Indio, the human wizard. And. She is just kind of an average build, but has stark white hair that's kind of in like a low braid because she's wearing a protective sun hat and is in a dusty tan short sleeve button up with some green cargo pants and sensible hiking boots. <laughs> You see that her pants did have a place for some type of magical communication device at one point. What a beautifully specific <laughs> pouch that is like it's just an empty pouch. Like, yeah. well, that's shaped like a magical mm-hmm. communication mm-hmm. device. There's yeah. nothing else that could be there. No, nothing. And across her shoulders lays the floofiest, most liquid form cat <laughs> that has happened upon anyone. It's across her shoulders and kind of atop her backpack. Just snoozing away. Just no bones. At all. No bones. <laughs> completely liquid form of a cat. And it's a... I think about what color my cat is. <laughs> These are the important questions that we right. have to ask ourselves. 
Mm-hmm. Give me that that lore. What I can't. Color? I can't believe that the character creation process for Thirteenth Age didn't include this yeah. just baked in, and that's well, I think a fault of the system. At least a random table, right? Yeah. Something. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna go with an orange cat because man. Our downstairs neighbors have a really pretty orange cat. Oh, that's true. <laughs> this is adorable. And curiously, this cat has wings. Hmm. Cool. And this is the Viscountess Vana Vida. Snoozing away. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, as a reminder to the listeners, this is the cat. Yeah. The cat is the Viscountess. The cat is the Viscountess. The human wizard is Indio. <laughs> right, yes. Mm-hmm. Striding in between his other two companions is a tiefling who is pretty tall, relatively strapping, wearing some very well put together, if a little raggedy leather armor, who has a big two-handed scimitar kind of strapped piece bound to his side where his like has like a little rope kind of tied around it. He has a kind of very reddish kind of classic devil skin, so to speak. And this person is kind of gleefully and glibly just kind of talking and telling stories and doing all kinds of essentially nonsense to pass the time on the road. This particular person's name, I'm not going to say it yet. (laughs) (laughs) A surprise. You don't get to know it yet. No, you don't get to know it yet. But yes, he is he is just kind of a very classic, like fighter looking individual, but is all smiles is just super happy to be out adventuring with his two companions. So walking to the side of the other two, uh, probably on the right hand side, who knows? Um, (laughs) Haven't made that character choice yet. Yes, that's that's a choice that might be made later. But for right now, we'll call it the right hand side is a person walking with very, very heavy footfalls. Just looking at them, you could tell that they seem to be made out of metal with other parts of steel kind of either hanging on particularly vulnerable places, maybe. But the overall look is a rather large person in plate mail. Upon closer looking, this is a forgeborn, meaning that they were a construct of some kind. If you were to ask, they're very free with what they think happened to them. And you will get a story about being the living embodiment of an ancient artifact brought to life. This is designation 4815162342-3.14, otherwise known as Lost Pie. <laughs> Great. <laughs> So we have Lost Pie, we have Indio and the Viscountess, and we have the mystery character. Exactly. Who will not be named. Who will right. not be named, wearing a mask, very looking very <laughs> debonair, very secret. Who knows who this strapping gentleman is? So the three adventurers we find here today are on their way out of the local town of Zephyr's Square. You have been contacted by a member of the faction that belongs to the Archmage, who you know is one of the great powers in this world. And they have sent you on a quest to retrieve a magic sword. Along that way, you know that there have been reports of various goblin attacks, specifically a group controlled by another great power, And these goblins have been laying waste to various caravans and other travelers in this area. As the three adventurers find themselves on the road, 
I would like you all to give me the first perception check of the campaign. Gasp. Well, wait. Wait a second. David, Jonathan, nowhere on my character sheet does it say the word perception. I... I don't understand. There's I, other words. There's other skills. But w- w- what am I supposed to roll? I am also confused by this. Sophie, are, d- does it say anywhere on your sheet? Uh, this applies to my scritches wielder trait. Yes. <laughs> right. I don't. I don't know. I don't, that's not on my sheet. So I actually totally forgot about that. Full <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. You, you obviously roll perception to see things, right? Cool. No, great. You're going to get a lot of D&D-isms in this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it is it was made by people who made 4E and 5E smushed together. So yeah. there is a lot of overlap. So using actual 13th age mechanics <laughs> now, there is something that perhaps you all are interested in looking at in front of you. <laughs> Let uh, me tell you, there, yeah. you, maybe use your eyeballs yeah. or your ears. Give me, give you me... may want to gaze upon your surroundings. <laughs> well, uh, if I may work collaboratively here with my game masters, my mystery character, part of his dark, mysterious backstory, and by mysterious, I mean he tells everyone, just not the listener yet, is that he was a squire. He was actually a knightly squire back in the day. And part of that training, of course, is always keeping your eyes out for oncoming threats, especially when you're out on the roads, knowing that you don't know what might be out in the wild. So perhaps could I use some sort of boon granted to me by my squire background? Um... Yes. I'll allow it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so the way that skills work in this game is it is a D20-based system. So you'll roll a D20, add some modifiers, but one of the primary modifiers that you'll add is your background. Each of these characters has a history. They have their place in the world, and they've learned things as they've grown up in it. So that's represented in this game by backgrounds. As you heard from Nathan over there, his character has a squire background, and these are things that Characters can decide kind of free form as they are creating their characters. So Nathan has squires. Other people have different backgrounds. But he's deciding that because his character was a squire, I guess tell me how your character was able to learn how to how to perceive the world better. Uh, yeah, he again, he he was a part of kind of a knight's errant group who would just go out into the wilds mm-hmm. of the world uh, on occasion. I mean, they liked a good city like they, <laughs> they, they would end most of their nights as many as they could back in an actual bed. But so much of that is about just kind of like, even while you're whiling the day away, of keeping your senses about you, of kind of being aware of things that might threaten you or things that are irregular kind of in the area around you. So you aren't caught unawares by those who would prey upon you. Cool. Give me a roll to see if you notice what is up ahead. So I roll the d20. Ooh. So I rolled an 18 on the die, oh, wow. and then okay. I will add a plus one because I'm a level one character, and then I'll add a plus five because my squire background is my plus five background. So whatever that is, 24 <laughs> is the total. It is very high. Yeah. All right, mystery character. You find a little bit further along the path are a couple of small humanoid shapes seeming to be digging something on the side of the road. These are goblins that you were perhaps made aware of at Zephyr's Square, and they have been harassing other travelers on the road. There is a bounty out in place for them. Five silver per head. Now are we talking like literal heads here, where it's like you have a we have our, our head sack that we just chuck the heads in, or what's the what's the going exchange rate? Uh 
Yes. <laughs> Got it. Get, get the hedge, get the gold. <laughs> Excellent. Zephyr's uh, motto. Yeah, exactly. Uh, my mystery character, like, kind of like you see him just, like, stop and just stops talking whatever he was saying and kind of trails off just a little bit. He kind of locks eyes with you guys and motions up ahead, kind of gesturing, hoping that they haven't seen us yet. And we'll kind of, like, point to one person, Lost Pie, who is on his right, We'll kind of point to them and then point off to the side and then point to Indio, who's on the left, over to the left on the side, and then just kind of make motions of like a pincher kind of suggestion and then shrugs. It's like, eh? Indio gives you a thumbs up and also prods the Viscountess to wake up a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Just get things ready. Lost Pie looking at the... Mystery named character in the middle. Who you know the name yeah, of. Yeah, I do know the name, yes. <laughs> just to, and, just to and make I, it clear. I chuckled to myself when I saw it on my character sheet as a note saying who, <laughs> what the name was. But um, you get the impression there's a little bit of glee in their eyes when the tiefling starts gesturing. And then they just kind of say in a low voice, I love charades. <laughs> the tiefling, like, as I'm imagining you're saying this, like, as you're clomping off, basically, and he just kind of, like, blinks a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Kind of, and, then, and then there's the... As he, so loud. <laughs> mm-hmm. As uh, Lost Pie clomps off, uh, the Viscountess has awoken from her slumber and will be persuaded by Indio to fly closer ahead on the left flank to kind of scout the area and kind of stay hidden, but get a good eye of what the goblins are up to and if there's any more kind of coming up on the left side. And you hear them squawking at each other. Yes, yes, dig bury the stakes for hiding. Yes, you'll trap them. They'll never see it coming. And you hear another shrill voice that almost sounds like someone kind of gargling a little bit. Yes, Glorblo. More humans to steal, take Chinese from. Yes. Yes, we will dig, bury the stake so they will fall suffer. As <laughs> I love the goblin voices. Yeah, absolutely. It, I'm, no, I'm, I'm not looking at it, so I don't break the character immersion. I don't want I don't want them thinking about how good it is or anything like it's that. It's especially great, though, because they're twins. Yeah. So <laughs> yep. the, the sound is almost the same, but different enough that you could just imagine two goblins like having this conversation. <laughs> Indio and Lost Pie, as you two take the flanks, you realize the full extent of this goblin force. There are four smaller goblins doing the grunt work of digging up the ground and planting stakes in them for other adventurers, other travelers to fall upon and uh, get trapped by. You also see two other goblins that seem to be much larger or much more powerful supervising these smaller workers. Why don't we go ahead and go into initiative? And then what I would like for all of us to do is we'll go around and each of you tell me how you are sort of ambushing or, you know, entering the battle, so to say. India with a 19. Whew. Mystery person with a 16. Lost pie with a natural one. Oh, no. And zero initiative modifier. Oh, no. So, because all of you have ambushed this small little goblin raiding party, we get to talk a little bit about 
ambushing and surprise rules. <laughs> so the way, at least I understand, uh, ambushes in 13th Age work is the person who sort of recognizes or sets up the surprise round or the ambush, in this case, it's our mystery character who Nathan is playing, gets to go first, and then they also get to designate one additional party member to go with them. So two people get to go in this quote-unquote surprise round, and then we go into regular initiative. I think mystery character is going to, knowing that Lost Pie may or may not know what's going on, may <laughs> think we're playing charades, and or is just clomping off in a direction, so cover might be blown anyway momentarily. I think they are going to designate Lost Pie as the other person to hop into battle, knowing that, like, Indio's kind of off to the side, and I'm sure will be ready to spring into action as soon as, as something happens. Cool. Sick. So, mystery character, do you want to go ahead and tell us how you start this combat? I do. This tiefling man wearing leathers uh, and who has been kind of just, like, very, like, flippantly undoing the peace bonding on his uh, on his sword comes up and just walks down the road. Like, approaches these goblins straight on. And this character kind of uh, looks, you know, looks at himself, makes sure that, you know, his, his armor is kind of tucked in in the proper places, and he's as presentable as possible. And he stands there very resolutely and just kind of draws himself up to his full height, and he looks down at these uh, shrimpy little goblins, I presume. Mm -hmm. And he says, Hello, my name is Fabio Hellsqueeze. And I am offering you an option. We have heard tell of you preying on, well, innocent travelers and the like. Well, I'd like to make a stop of it. This is your opportunity to clear off and cease such activities. Or force may be optioned against you. Clarbo, more hu human? Hu that one's not a human. I was once, damn you. <laughs> they have seen, found us. What do we do? Kill, kill non-humans. All right. You've chosen violence. And he, like, unsheathes this, again, stupid long scimitar sword, like a two-handed scimitar that has, like, all sorts of, sorts of uh, cool, very edgy, very dark, uh, you know, kind of filigree upon it. And uh, will step forward into battle, assuming that his various compatriots will probably help, mm -hmm. statistically speaking. So, Fabio Hellsqueeze is a very neat little class, which, when we were picking classes, as you can hear on our Patreon episode, I just, I picked before anyone else could pick, because I knew that's the one that I want to do. He is a tiefling hell singer, <laughs> uh, which is kind of like a barbarian bard situation, and I am going to I am reflavoring Fabio just a little bit, where he's not so much a singer; he's more of a more of a, a speaker lecturer, mm -hmm. uh, and so he's more of like a hell mouth, I guess, so to speak. And <laughs> hell speaker, exactly, hell speaker. But as this combat kind of heats up, and he starts going towards, and he charges up, and just kind of starts stomping and like breathing in this really like, and does a a hell blood fury attack, which means essentially I get uh, advantage uh, using D and D terms on my on this first attack. Well, I rolled bad on one of them, but good on another one. That is a that is a nineteen against AC. That absolutely hits the small diminutive goblin. All right, 
I do a d10 of damage, which is pretty cool. And I rolled a 10 on that d10. So that is 13 points of damage against uh, whatever amount of of little blorby goblins that I can strike with a just big, like, sweeping, (laughs) sweeping blow. Two of the goblins in front of you scream out in pain. Ah, the man, he slash hurts us. Because these two creatures are mooks, uh-huh. uh, they have a shared HP pool. And because you have dealt 13 points of damage, two of these goblins go down. Ah, uh-huh. much like the minions rules that we've done on that our is own correct. Show. Yes. Lost pie. Oh, no, no. Oh, oh, no. oh no. I'm not done yet. Oh, okay. Uh, I've, used my, I've, I've used my movement. I've used my action, but I, I still have uh, an extra a quick action. A quick action. That's yeah. the one. Not a bonus action. Not a action. bonus action. Uh, and I, he fast. didn't make a perception check. <laughs> uh, he is going to, under his breath, he's kind of been working himself up and is now out loud just chastising these little goblins for like, how how dare you have laid these traps and, and ambushed all these wonderful travelers and people like us and we were just trying to talk. And uh, he is going into a... It is mechanically a hex song, but again, is a hex maybe a hex lecture uh, in in this particular Clec- context. Lecture? No. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and he is going to sing a song of vitriol, is what it is called. <laughs> cool. Uh, I can do this uh, twice per battle, and when a nearby non-mook enemy dies, I and one ally regain two HP, and then something happens else happens when it ends. So for a moment, Lost Pie kind of looks at the at the goblins and, and steps out, and their eyes slightly go red, and they say, this is going on their permanent record. <laughs> <laughs> Teacher bot, Lost Pie. Yes. Lost Pie is going to use the spell Javelin of Faith cool. against Ooh. one of these goblins. This is an attack roll versus their physical defense. A six on the die for a total of 11. That unfortunately does not hit. Ugh. However, there is an interesting mechanic in 13th Age where even on a miss, you do a little damage. On a miss, that Javelin of Faith does one point of damage. So your Javelin of Faith deals a grazing blow on one of these goblins. What does this ability look like? So Lost Pie extends their hand out, and for a moment, there looks like there is some kind of jungle cat that kind of appears, and then it begins running forward and leaps and turns into a streak of light as it glances Wild. off this goblin. Mm-hmm. Cool. Mm-hmm. And with that, the ambush is over. These goblins all look at you as they realize their trap has been seen. Indio, you are first. Indio, having used Fabio and Lost Pie's distraction to sneak around on the left flank, looks around to see if she can find the leader of these goblins. One of the goblins that was speaking previously is wearing this long feathered robe and has this big wooden staff that they are just like shaking over their head trying to get the rest of the goblins into fighting condition you can tell that one has some has some sway over them it's always the feathers yeah yeah <laughs> indio will target the feathered leader mm-hmm. with the spell acid arrow Sick. which is intelligence plus level versus physical defense That'll be a 16 against their physical defense. That definitely hits. Nice. So on a hit, Acid Arrow does 
4d10. Wait a second. You're doing something against physical defense, but I did something against armor class. (laughs) Those are two different defensive statistics. That's a good catch because I totally missed that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So in 13th age, there is not only armor class. You have both armor class, physical defense, and mental defense, but different attacks can go against different, you know, defenses, basically. So Earthdawn has a very similar thing. So picture your your physical defense is you dodging, and uh-huh. it has nothing to do with the armor that you are wearing, whereas your armor class is based off of the armor that you are actually wearing is whether it, you know, it glances off and just doesn't get through. And mental defense is kind of like your willpower or your resistance to mm-hmm. mind-type effects. And one of the things I think is really interesting about the way that these stats are calculated is, like Steve was saying, armored class is based off of the armor that you're wearing. Physical defense is based off of the middle of your strength, constitution, and dexterity. And mental defense is based off of the middle stat of your you know, intelligence, wisdom, and charisma. And so it kind of like all averages out, depending on the kind of character that you're playing. And for this particular goblin shaman creature, they have very poor physical defense. So you're <laughs> good for me. So your acid arrow just nails them in the face. Great. Twenty-seven points of oh. acid. Oh wow! Damage. Excuse me. <laughs> ah! Kill stab that one. Ah! As its face just begins to like boil with this oh. acid. <laughs> Whoops. Hey. <laughs> Um, okay. So Indio casts Acid Arrow, which is a range, ranged spell that is a daily spell. So 13th Age, I don't have spell slots. I have dailies or at wills. Most of my first level spells are daily, except for one. And then I also have a list of cantrips. None of them are really attack spells unless I get a little bit creative. But those are also at will. So, Val, or Val. <laughs> Velasca Carter. Velasca Carter. Always, the, always the danger. Yeah. yeah. All of my uh, voices sound like checkers. So like, <laughs> <laughs> I get it. Uh, Indio will move towards uh, a bush and use, if a roll is required, her tour guide background <laughs> to know the potential like offshoots where she wouldn't want guests to go because she would lose them from the tour and she needs to come back with the same people she left with. So she would use that (laughs) skill (laughs) to determine the best place to hide. I I will give you that because I love the description. I was going to say, I I think that is a a great example of the character creation bit of 13th Age. Reminds like Squire, totally normal, very just like, straightforward oh yeah squire like that's i think in the player's handbook in in dnd 5e then it's like no i was a tour guide yeah (laughs) and that is equally as valid and equally as filled with as much uh bs possibilities as as a squire or anything else so you look around and you see exactly where there might be some some (laughs) some spots that perhaps potential tourists you know, might hide if they are wanting to go off the beaten trail a little bit. And you're like, I'm going to go there. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to hide right there. They're trying to stay after hours. I'm like, uh-uh, this park closes in 30 minutes. Kick those <laughs> teens making out out of those bushes. <laughs> and so you find yourself hidden from these goblins view. Perfect. Fabio, you see in front of you on the road, one goblin shaman, another beefy looking goblin, and two smaller goblins still trying to to perhaps run or fight. What would you like to do? 
I will probably stay on the two kind of small ones just mm-hmm. to make sure that that situation is cleaned up. But Fabio, Fabio is certainly a well-trained fighter and uh, doesn't shirk away from such things. But the kind of the battle anger that that his dark past has given to him, you know, it's not always natural for him, even if it's beneficial. So I'm going to first roll to sustain my Hexong 13th Age mechanics. Uh, I have to. I had to roll an 11 or higher. I didn't. Oh, 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 no. So that's all right. It is a it is a twice a battle kind of situation. The hell lecture has been cut short. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and the effect ends immediately, but that means I also gain three temporary hit, po- hit points as part of it. I also think I'm not allowed to both do a hex song and my cool 2d20 attack on the same turn, uh, but I did it already, so too late. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, I mean, you can do whatever we want. We don't know what's yeah, happening. Yeah. I, right, I guess that's I, true. I barely read the rulebook before coming here tonight, so it's, you're good. It's, <laughs> you don't have to be correct. You just have to convince the DMs that you're right, exactly. confident. But, you know, I don't, want him, I don't want him coming for me in the comments. Yeah. You know, like, that's not... I don't want that. But he is going to, even though he kind of loses his concentration a little bit on his song, he's going to just try to do another big kind of rage fueled swing with his Hellblood Fury and not do another hex song. Uh, so I rolled with two d20s. That's a 19 on the die that ooh, time ooh. for seven points of damage against, again, these kind of like the remaining mook enemies. One of the goblins screams out at you. No, sir knight, please save spare us. What does it look like when you take these two remaining mooks down? Well, <sighs> I don't like you said that. I don't like you said the thing that you said right at the end. Thank you. Uh, so Please, we are but weak and helpless goblins. No, kill Stab, kill Stab. Time slows down. And <laughs> I reconsider my decision. As he as he as he goes back to like kind of do this big swing, he hears and it's too late. It's too late when he hears these cries, these pleas, and just it is, you know, he, he just gets hit with this, like, flashback of all the all the knights that had trained him for so many years, uh, how how disappointed they must be in him in this moment. Or maybe they're not. I don't know. Maybe they'd be like, nah, screw those goblins. And the Enya song, Only Time, kind right, of plays exactly. that everything is slow. And his eyes open wide as he, unfortunately, lops the heads off of, of both of these <laughs> goblins in one perfect stroke and just, like, sees <laughs> the destruction that he has he hath wrought. So that is his action, uh, and he looks around, realizing the battle is still going, and will go up to the the beefy goblin who still remains, but that will be the end of my turn. The shaman kind of takes a step back as he sees that his army has dwindled before his eyes, and looks around frantically for the person that did this horrible disfiguration on it. Doesn't see Indio anywhere, so it can only point and shake the stick at Fabio Hellsqueeze. I mean, I swung twice and killed yeah. four goblins, so, right. like, my batting average is pretty good. Right. It's, it's reasonable. And once again, you hear this, like, gurgling goblin voice come out, and you, Fabio, feel this sort of pressure on your shoulders as it does a shaking curse against you. I got a natural 20. <laughs> what? Happened. Um, Actually, I was about to be like, oh, yeah. Good news. Like, I, don't uh, know. I think 13th age, there's no such thing as a natural 20, and it's actually just a zero. Oh, so oh, I, I actually yeah. cast the spell on 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 them. It mm. rebounds, I believe, is so, the actual mechanic. Pretty uh, cool. That that 
sounds accurate, but I think the actual rule is it does double damage. Well, hmm. I'm going to agree to disagree. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> double but, dice damage? So monsters in 13th Age don't actually roll dice. They just oh. have flat damage. So oh. you're just going to take twice the normal damage. Great. Which, in this case, you feel the weight of your actions settle upon your shoulders, and you begin uncontrollably shaking. Your bones rattle and your muscles tear as you take 16 points of damage. Excuse me? On the crit. We're level one. And you also see the creatures around you and you fear their movement. Anytime a creature engages you or disengages you, meaning anytime they move next to you or away from you, you'll find yourself taking two points of damage. In addition, Lost Pie, you also kind of feel this residual energy coming off of Fabio, and you will also suffer the same effect. Anytime someone engages or disengages from you, you'll take two points of damage. Something doesn't feel right. So the beefy goblin right in front of you sees you just beginning to shake uncontrollably and just laughs, kill stab, kill stab, and tries to stab you. Who, um, moi? Yes, again, Fabio. And for the listener, I do have more hit points as a first level 13th age character as I would in a first level D&D 5e. Yes. Uh, I have 27 max hit points, but I am down to a 14 mm-hmm. with my temporary hit, hit points being gone. For more reference, me, a first level wizard, tiny baby, has 24 hit points. Yeah, right, yeah. And as it moves forward to engage you, you find yourself the victim of the shaking Aha. Uh-huh. It is all, I am already engaged oh, yes. with it. Okay, cool. You fools. You engaged with it previously, so you're all right. It is going to take a sort of rusty looking short sword <sighs> and stab you. I don't know that I got my tetanus shot no. recently. <laughs> Normally, if the goblins outnumbered you, you would take additional damage from this guy. But because you killed so many already, you just take the normal damage. 10 versus your armor class, which I assume misses. That is a miss. All right, sounds good. So the shot goes wide, and you manage to stand in front of this goblin. So Lost Pie will assess the situation quickly. And uh, having seen that Fabio has been hit a few times and doesn't look as healthy as they are used to him appearing, he's going to say in a rather loud voice, I'll help you, Fabio. <laughs> Classic robot voice. Yes. I am very into it. And I am going to cast Spirits of the Righteous. Ooh. Huh. I'm going to be aiming it at the big beefy goblin that is in front of Fabio. And this is against their mental defense. Nine on the die for a total of 14. So against their mental defense, that does hit. Nice. On a hit... This does 4d6 plus 4 holy damage. Oh. Wow. So let me uh, let me go ahead and roll that right now. So that's 17 points of holy damage. And your nearby ally with the fewest hit points <gasps> gains plus 4 armor class until your next turn. How many cool. hit points does the cat have? A million. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. But good, like, good. but like, so the, uh, a wizard's familiar can't fight and are not valid targets for damage. Yeah, so that's a billion. <laughs> 13th, Infinity. 13th Age will not let the Viscountess right. be harmed in any way. Yes, it is a, it is a 10 over zero yeah. hit points. Yes. So that was that is a standard action. Uh, what do I get out of that? I can spend a recovery? No, you get no, no, four. No, plus four to your armor class. Oh, four to each. Oh, awesome, uh, awesome. Yeah, until, until my next turn. And then as a 
quick action, I am going to cast Heal, which I can use two times per battle, on myself or a nearby ally. <gasps> and I am going to against once again select Fabio, who can use a uh, <laughs> who can use a recovery to gain some hit points back. Whoa! All right, Steve, I appreciate I appreciate it, but like a recovery. What's a recovery, That's Steve? That's an excellent question. Every character has a certain number of recoveries that they can take in a day. And the amount that they can recover is based on their uh, class and con, class, I think. And, mm-hmm. class and constitution. Mm-hmm. So Fabio has a... I have a D12 oh, wow. plus two. A D12 plus two. So this spell allows him to take one of those recoveries right now for to heal a D12 plus two my, damage. My first of eight... Uh, oh, I rolled a three on the die. Oh, that no. really sucks. Uh, but five, five hit points. Yeah. It's still, still pretty good. So nineteen it, out of twenty-seven. It's better than you were. Yeah, one hundred percent. Does the number of recoveries is that eight for all first level? Characters? Generally, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. and then it's just the die that changes, like mm-hmm. hit dice. Mm-hmm. Cool. Lost pie. What does it look like when your ability hits this goblin grunt and takes it out? Yes. At first, after Lost Pie had cast this, just for a split second, nothing really happens. But then, out of all of the vegetation that's around and the, and the trees and the little shrubs and bushes, there are ghost-like images of them that kind of step forward. And the trees, these ghost trees and ghost bushes and ghost shrubs, it seems a little strange, but they, they go from being... These, these natural things to looking kind of angry. And then in a rush, they just swarm this goblin in the middle. <laughs> oh, no, no. And, oh, no. And then are gone. Terrifying. Yep. <laughs> nope. No, thank you. As the ghost trees and ghost bushes vacate the vicinity, there's only one creature left, just shakily uh, shaking his uh, <laughs> shakily shaking his his staff his shaking staff above him, <laughs> and he looks around all alone. I really hope I get to loot that shaky staff. <laughs> seems pretty interesting. You can see something click in his mind, and all of a sudden, there's only panic and fear, and he runs past the bush that Indio is hiding behind, trying to flee the scene. Trip him. Yeah, I was gonna say, what's my uh, opportunity to attack? Uh, yeah, you can have an opportunity to attack. Do you have a cool quarter staff? I do have a staff. Trip uh, it's yeah. a walking staff, yeah. you know, for the tourists. Right, yeah. <laughs> Naturally, not mm-hmm. a magical arcane staff. No, no, no. Walking staff Very and pointer. Very practical. Naturally. Like pointing out. Instead of a magical things. wand. Yeah, mm-hmm, exactly. Uh, so, melee attack from a wizard. I don't add anything to this, so it's oh. a straight 11 oh. on the die versus AC <laughs> for a shaman. As the shaman flees, sprinting away from the angry-looking hell lecturer, it does not notice this small cane stick out from a nearby bush and just falls over flat on its little like feathered face. Three points yeah. of damage. <laughs> Ow. Of Ow, embarrassment damage. <laughs> <laughs> so Fabio sees that this encounter is is over, right? That there, there is a, a notable a withdrawal of, you know, of honorable combatants. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so he kind of like snaps out of his kind of battle reverie and realizes what's happening and kind of starts moving in that direction. And if he's able to, can he 
see this goblin get tripped, presumably all tangled in his weird goblin robes, weird goblin butt sticking up in the air. Very embarrassing. Mm -hmm. Um, Fabio has in as a part of his dark past, one of his backgrounds is thug. Oh, no. (laughs) And we, we don't like to talk about it. Fabio, that was a dark part of his life. But he does know how to dogpile on someone and uh, put them in, like, an arm bar. Yes. And, like, get them, like, tied up for very legal purposes, not taking them to some sort of criminal hideout elsewhere. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so would he be able to, like, try to jump on this goblin and just, like, very quickly, like, truss him up so that we can, like, bring him to the tower that we're going to? As a good Samaritan. Right, exactly. Go ahead and give me a skill roll. You can add your thug background to that. Excellent. It was plus two. I didn't spend as much time being a thug as I spent being a squire, but... Uh, It's not good. That's a six. So, unfortunately, as you are trying to dogpile and tie up this goblin shaman... Get back here, you you blackguard! They do manage to kind of, like, squeeze out of your grasp Why are you so slippery? The robes kind of slip off <laughs> okay. as, yep. as the goblin oh, butt uh, right it's, in your face. His yeah. robe is made of yeah. duck feathers, yeah. you know? Right. <laughs> Slips off. They get up. Ah, you'll, this isn't the last you'll see, hear of me. And then they run away. <laughs> and now, a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by A Foul Light Shines, a new free serial novel based on a D&D campaign. The Empire of Fire and Water has known 20 golden years of peace since the end of Agenion's War, a peace which is now in peril. When a ragtag group of friends intervene in a grotesque monster attack, they're too late to save a wounded man who leaves them with an encrypted journal and the words... Trust no one, Tyre. Can the gang find Tyre, escape the claws of more strange monsters, and uncover the lurking threat to the Empire before it's too late? This story features themes of found family and strength and diversity, and is available for free on Campfire and Royal Road. A foul light shines. Come for the fantasy. Stay for the cheese-obsessed goblin gunslinger. Dark Dice is a critically acclaimed actual play podcast brought to you by Fool and Scholar Productions. With over 20 awards in sound design, Dark Dice brings its horror-themed campaigns to life with snappy combats, terrifying monsters, and tons of original music. Each episode is only 45 minutes long and features an all-star cast of seasoned role players and first-time players alike including folks you might recognize, like Jeff Goldblum, Lily Pichu, and Jasper William Cartwright. Start with Season 1 and follow the adventurers on their quest to investigate a doppelganger, or jump into Season 2 and listen to a new story about a terrible, corrupting sound that infects all who hear it. Dark Dice is available for free however you listen to podcasts or at darkdice.com. So ask yourself, do you seek him lost pie raises their arm and points towards the goblins and shouts out natural selection has deemed you 
unworthy. Oh, God. <laughs> Whoa. Mm. I then, thought I knew Lost Pie's vibe, and I don't know Lost know. Pie's vibe anymore. No. And then the, the slight red glow that was in their eyes dissipates, and they are back to how they normally look. And with that, you guys have completed your first encounter of 13th Age. Yay! We did it! So now we get to level up! Wow! That's what the next next 30 minutes of this episode is leveling up the next five levels for each of these characters. So what I will do here, actually, is kind of explain a little bit about the resting system in 13th Age. I'm pretty injured, yeah. Yeah. And also just kind of the the way incremental advances work in this game. As you all complete encounters, you'll get what are called incremental advances, which are basically just small little upgrades that you can make to your character. I believe you get four incremental upgrades before you get to your second level. And when you get an upgrade, you get your choice of like more health, a spell from another level, a new feat, basically just things that kind of take you closer to your second level. Heck Uh, yeah. I do think also it's worth mentioning that the maximum level, I believe, is 10. Yeah, not not 20. Not 20. And so every, you know level is a pretty significant milestone and for this campaign all of our players are using pregens so they just have level one pregens in their pregens of the of the statistics to be clear 13th age did not create a horrible (laughs) robot who talks about uh you know kind of like the order of nature or that's that's 100% pure Steve. Right, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And if you want more character creation, go check out our Session Zero on <laughs> the Patreon. Patreon.com slash Reckless Attack. But uh, what I will do for all of you is you will get an incremental advance as though you had increased your health to second level. Oh. Ooh. All right. Very interesting. What does that mean? <laughs> we'll so, do the math later. <laughs> yeah. So for everyone except Sophie slash Indio, you get seven plus your constitution in maximum health. For Indio, you get six plus your constitution in maximum health. Oh. So your recoveries don't change. You're just adding additional, you know, seven or eight or nine. Cool. To your max health and also your current health. Nice. And speaking of current health, the way resting works in this game is you, after every battle, basically get what's called a quick rest. And it's just, you know, take a quick breather. There's no real time associated with it. It's just you end your battle, you get a quick rest. During that quick rest, you can use as many recoveries as you want. So... Like Ooh. we saw in the battle, you can heal using recoveries. And in, during a quick rest, you can use as many recoveries as you want. You also, if we had if we had anyone using powers that like recharge after a, a battle or have a chance to recharge after a battle, that's where we would be rolling dice to see if you do recharge those. I don't know if anyone used anything like that. Uh, yeah, I, I can use it per battle, but there's no recharge. Okay, yeah. So that's where recharges would be happening. But for the purposes of this rest, you can just use as many recoveries as you want to recover as much health as you Sick. want. Those recoveries only come back after a long rest or a full rest. And in this game, long rests don't happen per time. They happen per short rest or per quick rest. So typically you would have about four quick rests until you got your next long rest, regardless of what the time frame of that is. So if we only do one quick rest today, we still need like three more. Yeah, because the the adventuring day is no longer just a calendar day. It is is like a series of events right. and it's uh-huh. it's every four events basically right. that okay. happen is when you get to the end of a, a day quote yeah. unquote exactly exactly so i will say as the combat winds down you see that there it is a perfectly normal 
spring day. There are birds chirping. There is much road ahead of you to get to your destination to meet your contact. Before we go, Fabio would call over to to Lost Pie and say, Comrade, uh, please help me fill in this trap. And would just like laboriously, you know, pull up the shitty spikes, I presume. <laughs> and the like, I don't know, foot and a half pit that they had gotten to. But just to make sure that no one, no one else falls into, again, this half-finished, very shitty goblin trap. Of course, I will help you fill in this divot. Fabio knows better than to ask the wizard to help. No offense. <laughs> Indio is now grooming the Viscountess, who uh, is very upset of having to contact a soiled natural branch and not a custom pillow Got it. that, yep. you know, she's accustomed to. So having the long, luxurious orange fur does come at a cost. Yeah, it's hard to travel for royalty. That's <laughs> mm-hmm. for sure. The divot is filled. And you guys are presumably on your way. One of you is carrying a box that you received at Zephyr Square. I vote the robot does it. (laughs) (laughs) I was just going to say, Indio is currently carrying royalty, so Mm -hmm. can't be weighed down too much. Unless Lost Pie is carrying the box and the box has a pillow on top of it. And then the Viscountess is on top of the pillow. On top of the box. I don't know how the Viscountess feels about uh, constructs. constructs just yet. She'll have to warm up to you. Do you run on steam power? Oh, that's an interesting question. Uh, or radiant heat. You don't have to answer now. Think about it. That's a, that's <laughs> that, a, but that will that's greatly determine For now, how the cat responds The to robot you. has the box. Yeah. The cat is with the wizard. Yes. <laughs> And Lost Pie, this box contained a magical artifact that you are going to trade for a presumably cursed sword at Bolt Strike Pillar. Wait, why is it presumably cursed? Uh, it may or may not be cursed. Don't worry about it. We're level one adventurers. I we said presumably. That, that, yeah, seem, right. that seems like we're getting the, the short straw <laughs> that particular trade. But, you know, hey, we, we, we know better than to question our, our, our icon that we, we have a relationship with. Yeah, the Archmage said the you arch- have to do it. Right. Yeah. If, the, if the Archmage says, go give me this cursed item, we're like, all right, sure, man. That sounds fine. Yeah, you as fervent believers in the Archmage are like, yes, I will follow this. Mm-hmm. Of course, they can probably uncurse it. And right, exactly. Perfectly They're functional so powerful. Sword. But I am curious. What does this artifact that you are holding in this box look like? Uh, I'm going to say it is a gauntlet, actually, Sick. that has just been like packed. It's like sitting on a pillow that probably the Viscountess would not really like. It's it's a little beneath her, but is like sit on seated on a nice pillow in this in this cool. box. So you guys are carrying a magical gauntlet inside of a box. As the three of you walk on down the road, travel is boring. It takes it yeah. takes a long time. Yeah. Uh, and the goblins are really your only excitement for today. You continue to walk, and the trees of the forest turn into rolling hills as you move further down to your destination of the pillar. The sun begins to set a little bit, and by the time you guys know that anything has really changed, the sun is only just barely over the horizon. As we walk, 
there are certain times where Fabio is leading the group, maybe kind of doing some lecturing, uh, not in a hellish way, but just having a, <laughs> you yes. know. Like he's not lecturing. No. Um, but then, like, as he kind of starts to wind down his conversations, Indio, in the silence, her training takes over and she moves to the front of the group <laughs> and actually starts walking backwards. Wow. Yep. And with her staff starts pointing out the different flora and fauna of the area and explaining to Fabio and Lost Pie their surroundings and what they should look out for as she was a magical tour guide in her previous <laughs> role and occasionally the Viscountess will fly off and like bring a flower closer to the group to examine. Wow. And um, as she kind of runs out of her very practiced spiel, she'll kind of fall silent and then like Fabio will kind of come back to the front. Not even. I think Fa- Fabio is asking questions the whole mm-hmm. time. Like Fabio and I assume probably Lost Pie is too, but like Fabio is very interested. I mean, he asks a lot of questions about like, oh my goodness, wait, so is this the same uh, blue crystalline rose that is on the sigil of the Knights of the Blue Rose? And is asking a lot of mm-hmm. like hyper-specific, like medicinal poultice questions mm-hmm. and about like, I have heard that this grows when over you, over the tombs of lost knights and you just nonsense questions that mm-hmm. he's just like weirdly picked up like lore for uh, mm-hmm. you know across his across his training but it's like very engaged until he's not and then comes back <laughs> and is very engaged yeah and it does help that indio is able to answer a lot of those medicinal type questions because one of her backgrounds as previously stated is scritches wielder slash <laughs> vet tech yes. yeah so, yes. tell, tell me more about that so uh, the one unique thing about Indio is... Which is a game mechanic. Is a is game a mechanic. One unique thing. Everyone yes. has one. Uh, and what I've based my backgrounds off of is that <laughs> she was a magical safari guide that um, was asked to leave because she, quote, adopted a magical cat. Mm, mm-hmm. What magical cat? Who is to say? Mm-hmm. <laughs> With a Viscountess stretched across her lap. <laughs> but, um, yeah. So she was the safari tour guide and vet tech. It's kind of one of those jobs where, like, in order to train to be a vet tech, you got to take some shifts on the tour now, at circuit. The, at the, the, what was it? The fiefdom of animals yes. that you worked at. Uh, mm-hmm. The theme park tour, what have you. Now, I don't remember. I don't recall how many... Ooh, mythical, dangerous, and or usually slayable by knights creatures were kind of in rotation. Was that a, was there special safaris for? Oh, yes. You had to uh, pay extra to go to that one because we did require you to sign a, a waiver was... as we were not responsible for Maymor death. Did, did you get to pet a chimera? Chimeras are fun. It's a good question <laughs> that he's asking. Yes. Uh, I do have a specialty with feline animals or part feline animals, so I was very close. And like we, the Viscountess. Yeah, I get it. Mm-hmm. Do you um, get it? 
<laughs> Roll uh, for getting it. Yeah. <laughs> minus, minus one int over on that cleric. So, uh, um, but we did have a few nights on our security detail for that area. As again, it was a very dangerous and again, maimings may have happened, but they signed a waiver. Can you so pay started. for the maimings? You want to pay for the opportunity to be maimed later. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose so. Yes, yes. Okay. <laughs> also, um this has really been bothering me. Lost pie. You when you um do whatever it is kind of a magical situation that you have going on. Mm-hmm. Um there is there's like a there's bushes, there's there's like cats. Such things mm-hmm. that that are part of the thing. Do you do you know what that is? And he says, pointing like actually, he like points to either. He he points first to Indio and then points over to Lost Pie, pointing at both of them. Do either of you know what what those were? I wasn't able to get a close enough look at the feline that was maiming the goblin because it was a spectral force form. But I'd be jungle, curious. Jungle cat. Capital J, yeah. capital cat, jungle cat. Yes. I am the living embodiment of a nature artifact. Yes, that is fascinating. <laughs> you have said that before. Yeah. <laughs> you said that several times on this walk, in fact. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. But we're glad to have you, lost pie old chum. And he kind of does one of those, like, arm punches. Uh, and then his hand smarts a little bit. <laughs> Whatever and, he's made out of. Uh, and kind of while we're having this discussion... Lost Pie, not very subtly, attempts to inch closer to Indio mm-hmm. and kind of touch the Viscountess or or get the Viscountess to notice them. I can make a roll uh, using one of my backgrounds, or if you would... Uh, I was just going to do a straight d20 roll, 10 above. A, a cat... Viscountess uh, is cool mood? with it. Yeah. Yeah. I also imagine, though, as a cat, even if it works once, it might not work. Yeah, yeah we're gonna have to so roll it's gonna be, every it's gonna be time. Yeah, we are gonna grind this game yeah. to a halt. <laughs> Rolling for these, it's a five on the die. Oh. I'm so sorry, it's a SWAT. Yeah, yeah. Like maybe a nip. Not interested in your in your movement right now. It, Crying is it? Or... Yeah, is it a just a SWAT or is 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 it a SWAT with claws out? No, see, the Viscountess does not let you poke her. Like she lazily turns as you approach and looks directly in your eyes yeah. <laughs> and just gives a. The message is very clear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The three of you lose yourselves in conversation as you walk through these rolling hills on your way to the pillar. And as night falls, you expect to see the moon in the sky, but instead there is, appears to be another bright light source coming out in front of you that is much lower on the horizon. Atop a stone pillar, maybe a thousand feet away, is a brilliant silver flame that pierces the night sky. It is vibrant and beautiful. And as you approach this tower, you can see that the light Atop it is the source of energy for much of what happens in this area. 
even when you were walking through, there were forests and trees and, and lush greenery. But here, it seems that whatever farmland they have is much more productive. There are vines growing from the trees and fruit atop its branches that wouldn't normally be here. You pass through a protective stone wall that surrounds the tower. And as you get closer, you see that there are signs of life, signs of civilization. There are tents and buildings and people going about their day, closing up shops for the night or taking their kids in for the evening for their supper. As you finally reach the base of this tower past the walls, there are two guards, both dressed in regular chainmail, each holding a spear. And one of them holds their hand out to you. Halt! What is your business here? Fabio snaps to attention and uh, again has his, his sword is kind of re-peace bound and he makes very direct professional eye contact with these two soldiers and uh, says, uh, Halt, friends! We are friends. We come bearing a package. Indio, like, whispers, we're by the Archmage. By order of the Archmage, of course, yes. The guard looks at you skeptically, but he gestures towards the other guard. I think I may have heard that we were expecting visitors today. Let me go get the captain. And the guard turns and walks into the tower. Like, as soon as there's, like, just a beat, Fabio, like, turns to the other two adventurers and is like, I'm so sorry, I... I, I never finished my squire training and I am still so bad at introductions. I will, I'll get it. I'll get it next time. I'm so sorry. You did very well. Thank you. Absolutely, yes. A few moments later, two new figures emerge from the tower. Both of them with very obviously higher quality armor and gear than your rank and file guards. One of them appears to be a woman in gleaming plate armor and a large war bow on her back. And one appears to be a shorter man with sort of disheveled robes over his chainmail and a small pointy hat. And both of these two figures have an emblem of Bolt Strike Pillar envisioned as the silver flame top it, just sort of like on their breastplate as their, uh, you know, their tabard or their symbols indicating their allegiance. The woman approaches you first and says, My name is Amilafor, Captain of the Guard. Hi, I'm Varys. Fabio is snapped to attention also and is about to kind of like respond in turn to the commanding presence, but then like the very chill vibes yeah. <laughs> on the other side has like slightly short-circuited his brain and he just like stands there at attention, not sure what to say or who to acknowledge. Good to meet you, Amilafor and Varys. I am Indio. These are my companions, Fabio and Lost Pie. We are here on behalf of the Archmage. We come for a trade. It is good to see fellow agents of the Archmage, Amilafor says. And she eyes the three of you in a new light. Oh, you're here for the sword. Right, right, right. Yes, Glazentorg. That curse nonsense, right. It'll be a while, 
before it's ready. We still have to unattune it from the magics of the tower. It's a whole thing, all right? Oh. Yeah. You guys have had a long journey, I'm sure. You guys haven't eaten yet, right? No. Uh, no. All right, come to the cafeteria. We have some great fish stew. Tell me all about your travels. It'll be great. The Viscountess perks up a fish stew. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, sir. (laughs) And with that, Varys leads the three of you deeper into the tower, presumably to the mess hall, where you settle in for your tour and a bowl of fish stew. And with that, we will end today's episode. (gasps) Yay! Yay! We have ushered in a 13th age. (laughs) Look at us go. If you'd like to hear more of what you heard today, check us out on Patreon for the rest of this adventure. Go to patreon.com slash recklessattack, and we'll see you there. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye! And the guards say, Halt! Who goes there? God, do we have a cool adventuring group name? Fabio and the Hell Squeezes. <laughs> <laughs> both, both Sophie and I just looked at Nathan. And that's in this week's episode. <laughs> our, our mouths just kind of opened and we're like... <laughs> I feel like Lost Pie and India were like, eh. and then Fabio just kept introducing our group as Fabio and Hell's I don't Pleases. like to do it, but I'm just waiting. We need a placeholder name. I'm just compelled. That sea urchin, or that, excuse me, that, that street urchin uh, said it was a great name, and it's, a, it's fine for now is all I'm saying. <laughs>